You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hi, it's Julie. Thanks for tuning in. On this episode, Bridget and I chat with our new friend, Byron Marlowe. Don Smith, Distinguished Professor and Director of the Wine and Beverage Business Management Program at Washington State University. Byron shares his knowledge, passion, and insight to the hospitality world through education at WSU and his book, Wine Sales and Distribution, The Secrets to Building a Consultative Selling Approach. Sit back, grab your favorite Washington Merlot, and learn all about the secrets to success of grape to glass. Welcome to Served Up. Julie and I are so excited to have you on this episode. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what brought you into the hospitality world? Of course. Well, thank you again for having me on Served Up. I've been um, very intrigued by this podcast and it's really wonderful to be a guest I am the Wine Beverage Business Management Director here at Washington State University, but my background really is uh, much more about team, sports, athletics, starting out from a youthful age with an interest in academics, more in the household, Uh, interests in uh, various sports, basketball, football, baseball, Uh, But it really started to uh, hone into football when I was in high school. And I eventually went over to play football and be a hotel restaurant management major at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff. And it was at that point that my dad had asked me, you know, son, what are you going to do after college? You just can't play football forever. And I thought to myself, well, hotel restaurant management, that's what I'm majoring in. what I didn't say was that was what everyone who played football was majoring in, but uh, it was it, it really did strike a chord with me. I uh, I, I dove right in. I uh, worked when I could. Uh, actually, um, my background started in restaurants when I was fifteen as a busboy working at La Roca's Family Italian Restaurant, just a wonderful family-owned and run Italian restaurant that famously served. Uh, Joey Bonanno, who had um, uh, moved to Tucson, and there's a lot of um, reasons why he moved to Tucson, but as as really one of the leaders of the the five families, had a kind of an infamous uh, background. And when we served uh, Mr. Bonanno, it was after the restaurant was closed, and he classically sought out and sat in the corner of the restaurant with a bodyguard who must have been 85 or 90 years old himself. So um, uh, th- that kind of laid a, 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 an error for me about what hospitality could be, how individualized and authentic it could be, which was really cool. 
And so that just kind of continued on. The, the, the Hotosha management program was really great. I got involved in some of the different activities. As I mentioned, I worked as I could. We had a hotel on campus, started as a dishwasher, moved up into the line, then into the front of the house, which was great because I saw my set, my first seven course meal uh, when I was there. It was a Friday special that we had uh, at the inn at NAU. And then I moved over to the uh, front of the, uh, not the front of the house, but the hotel side. And we had a small little inn and I worked night audit. And then after night audit, night manager, then bar manager. And uh, at the end there, I was um, uh, managing uh, the, the inn at NAU. It was really great. And so that, that was my background, plus travel. I, I was able to travel. Um, my family was really big into sports, as I mentioned, and we were really big into baseball. So it was a point during the summertime when we had the opportunity to go to those classic baseball stadiums in Fenway and Wrigley and, uh, you know, Tiger Stadium, Bush and St. Louis, all those things were really fun. Yeah. So you've had a really um, interesting, some interesting inspiration, I guess, you know, around this industry. When you talk about someone from the five families and um, your first seven course meal, I, I always find it very interesting what inspires people to get into this industry and what keeps them here. Right. And I say it almost every episode. It's like you either love it, man, or you don't. There's not much wiggle room with hospitality. Absolutely. I, I, I was bit by the bug. Um, joy being around people. I enjoy the idea of a hospitality heart. Uh, I, I enjoy the idea of, uh, of being around a service based like economy. That means um, uh, uh, that I, that I, that I really am happy to be able to serve. I, it's just, it's really, it's, it's really something that fills my cup. It's cool. Yeah. And, and I liked how you brought up, um, you know, the whole sports analogy, right? I mean, if you really think of the hospitality business, it really is a team and you do operate um, like a sports team. But you did mention that all of your friends in football were also um, had a hotel management major. What, what was the reason behind that? Was that a trend or just something that everybody just kind of signed up for? I think it was trending at the time. The the school uh, at Northern Arizona University had uh, a really great infrastructure set up working with athletes for timing of classes, for support uh, for those athletes as well. Um, in fact, one of the tennis players is now a colleague of mine. She works with the uh, Cesar Ritz Corporation, Cesar Ritz Colleges um, uh, over in Switzerland. She was Spanish and um, uh, you know, there were several different athletes that were involved, so women's soccer, uh, men's tennis, swimming and diving. Uh, I think another uh, component to that was excellence. Uh, we, were, we, were, we were seeking out what was perhaps at least marketed to us as one of the highest ranked degrees at Northern Arizona University. And there was a challenge uh, to be a, be a part of the, the, the School of Hotel Restaurant Management at Northern Arizona uh, that I believe drew in a lot of athletes as well. That is so interesting because that's when you and I connected, when you reached out to us to 
learn a little bit about served up and, and the work that we're doing, I noticed in your profile picture that you were next to the statute at Caesar Ritz. And I recognized that right away because that's the school my husband went to. And, um, and he actually, what a small world it is. He went over on the, the transfer program and actually got his degree at Washington state university. So could you tell us a little bit more about that collaboration that you guys have? Happily, I, j- I just got done uh, teaching uh, over to to Brig. Now we're in a uh, in a in a place and time uh, uh, where travel is not like it used to be. So I wasn't actually in Brig, which is the home campus to Cesar Ritz, and it's in the intentionally the home campus to Cesar Ritz. That's where Mr. Ritz was born, um, and uh, the relationship between Washington State University and Cesar Ritz College started in 1986. There had been a professor, uh, Lothar, uh, here at the time who was either of German or Austrian descent, but was was really interested in a partnership with classic hospitality education, which Switzerland has uh, been a part of, especially in the hotel orientation, for over a century. And uh, as Cesar Ritz uh, became infamous for his work within the hospitality field, rightfully so, there was an opportunity to be able to duplicate that standard that he had in place by educating the next generation with Cesar Ritz best practices. And Washington State University saw that as an opportunity for its students as well to be able to be exposed to this classic level of service that was through the Cesar Ritz community and Cesar Ritz College. And since 1986, I believe we've had over 2000 graduates from Washington State University, as well as Cesar Ritz College, who've earned this dual degree that you mentioned, Julie, where a student is able to earn both their degree from Washington State University's School of Hospitality Business Management, which is the third oldest in the United States of America, and Cesar Ritz College, which really exposes them to international and European service uh, when, when they're there, and then vice versa for those students at Cesar Ritz College, they're able to take three years of coursework at Cesar Ritz College, and then one year of finishing school through the Carson College of Business here at Washington State University to achieve their degrees at both institutions. I think that's just super awesome. It's, uh, it's really wonderful. We, we just started uh, uh, to emphasize, and really we did this at both campuses. Uh, both Switzerland and here in the United States of America. And one of the really interesting components of the Cesar Ritz College experience is they have three campuses in Switzerland that students are exposed to depending on their terms. Uh, And at at one of those particular campuses, the uh, emphasis on wine has really started to grow. And that's exactly what's happened here at Washington State University. We have five different campuses. Pullman is our main campus. We have our campuses in Vancouver, across the river from Portland, Everett, north of Seattle, our global campus, which is online, and then our fifth campus here at Richland, which is where I'm at, which is here in the heart of Washington grape country. And with both institutions really emphasizing this understanding of education around a finished product like wine, that's really helped our collaboration and mine specifically. So this last year, we started to offer our capstone courses at Cesar Ritz College for the first time, which include a invitational, which we've titled the Intercollegiate Wine Business Invitational. 
schools like Linfield University, formerly Linfield College in the heart of the Willamette Valley in Oregon, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in the heart of the Central Valley of California, ourselves here in Washington, as well as some universities that aren't necessarily in, in wine country, Hong Kong Polytechnical in Hong Kong, University of Houston in Houston, FIU in Miami, as well as Michigan State University in East Lansing, but all with this understanding that we should have an education and a professionalism for these wine and beverage uh, undergraduates before they go off into the their professional pursuits around wine and beverage. And in this Intercollegiate Wine Business Invitational, we had two teams from Cesar Ritz who actually placed as finalists for best financials as well as best business plan. Each group was made up of four students. Of those two groups of a total of eight students, they represented eight different countries. Just phenomenal. Wow. wow. That is really amazing. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Can you tell us what makes the WSU Wine and Beverage Business Management Program truly different from the other wine programs that are offered in the U.S.? Uh, thank you. It's, it's, it's a great question and uh, one that I'd, I'd like to take um, uh, a little time to reflect on because there, there are definitely some, some uh, objective and subjective um, uh, uh, motivations when I, when I share this answer. But objectively, which is what we need to be, um, uh, I can share that we are the only university at a Power Five or major United States university campus, a member of the prestigious Pac-12 conference uh, that uh, offers both a wine beverage business management degree, as well as a viticulture and enology degree on the same campus. And that's here in Richland. Uh, within just five to 10 minute walk, a student who could be majoring in wine and beverage business management minoring in viticulture and knowledge, which is the studies of growing grapes and making wine, or vice versa, could be majoring in viticulture and knowledge, the study of growing grapes and making wine, and then minoring in wine beverage business management all on one campus. And that really makes us distinctive and unique in comparison to other wine programs. Uh, also, the, uh, uh, the, the real location uh, being so close to wine country, the opportunity for internships, as well as work experience is uh, just right next door in working with uh, the industry. That's not necessarily distinctive. There are other campuses that have that and, and can offer that. Uh, we'd like to think that we have uh, a special relationship, but that's not to say that others couldn't uh, as well. But it definitely is something that I would look for in a wine and beverage business management program, the idea to be able to take a project from ground to glass is just really, really a valuable tool as you're getting an education and then going out into the world and working for those wine companies that will expect that you have an understanding of that, uh, whether it's something you learn at the university level or it's something that you have to learn on the job. Uh, we'd like to think that we're giving those students uh, perhaps that education before they get into the workplace. I, I think that's really great. And, and one thing that I've learned being in the distribution side of the wine and spirits business for the last you know 12 years is 
sometimes I feel like we're in our own bubble and, and a lot of our lingo and business acumen and practices are so unique, right? To our business that it's really hard to look outside and, and find standards or, or guide, guidelines to help. And, and I think having a program that's really about the business aspect than just the viticulture is, um, is very innovative and very valuable. Do you see that, that that type of program exists elsewhere where it's just more of the business side of um, supply and distribution of beverage alcohol products, or is this something unique to Washington State? Great question, Julie. There are some other programs. The, the, um, uh, the programs that um, I, I think about are rooted in the discipline of, uh, of wine business, wine economics. Um, uh, I also think of consumer product programs within mm -hmm. colleges of business uh, that may cross over into dealing with the unique product, which is wine and then maybe even alcohol mm -hmm. uh, with, within their coursework. We're, we're also seeing a very interesting move into the cannabis industry um, mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, very new programming along the lines of dealing with um, a, a product that is going to have value add and then finally retailed. When I think about programs that also offer wine and beverage business management. I think here on the west of Sonoma State University, mm -hmm. I yep. think of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Uh, I think of um, uh, programs in uh, the east that may have a, a little bit more of, uh, of, a, uh, uh, of a singular focus when it comes to business, but still have some really great wine education as a component of their universities. Cornell University is, is one of those. Michigan State University, uh, Texas Tech University. And then when it comes to the hospitality side, which uh, uh, is where a lot of the time we see hospitality programs emphasize beverage, beverage sales or beverage management, I'd like to think that most who have moved into um, reevaluating the purposeful courses that they can offer to their students in these undergraduate settings of hotel restaurant management or hospitality tourism management mm -hmm. are offering at least one or, or two levels of uh, beverage appreciation. And, and then I'd love to see like a finishing class with wine appreciation uh, on top of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you also tell us about your scholarship opportunities? I think our listeners would love to know, you know, what does that road look like? Thank you for asking that question. There's a lot of great opportunity for scholarship in the wine and beverage world. Most specifically here at Washington State University, we have two $10,000 scholarships, which cover in-state tuition for students who are looking at achieving their undergraduate degree after they have certified, which means that they've shown two years of commitment to undergraduate work. And once certified, they're then on track to be a graduate of the Carson College of Business should they take those courses. Those two $10,000 scholarships are as a benefit from Southern Glazers Wine and Spirit. And it's not a plug based on this program that I'm sharing that. It's, it's very, very intentional. Um, Mr. Chaplin has uh, uh, been such a, a, a supporter 
of education for wine and beverage across the United States of America. Uh, here at Washington State University, it's been very specific to working within our program. And those two $10,000 scholarships uh, annually are able to really support students in uh, taking away what many people would consider the biggest barrier of uh, college and university at this time, which is cost of attendance. Um, uh, even though we have several students who are trying to balance the time that it takes as well as the obligations of a profession or even family, when it gets right down to it, the brass tacks of being able to afford university can be very difficult. So those, those two scholarships annually have helped support numerous students as we are on our fifth year of that. And so eight different students, well, that's six different students as I've had some students been able to earn it two years in a row, both their junior and senior year have benefited from that. And I'd also like to say that those scholarships have really helped out in supporting specifically the, uh, some demographics uh, in our community, which uh, are underserved, both uh, the Latinx community, as well as uh, gender, the female uh, student who we have here. Of those eight students, 80% of those will fill in or fit into one of those two categories. And they're also the two categories that um, have the highest bar to jump when it comes to uh, meeting the uh, financial obligations of university typically. Yeah, that's, that is really great to hear. And thank you for sharing that. You know, I mean, the, the chaplains and Southern Glazers does so much to support education and, and it's, and it's a huge priority um, for, for the company to, to keep that going. Um, you know, back to kind of the, the business part of the, the program, I know that you also authored a book called Wine Sales and Distribution. And when I saw this, I was so impressed because back to my comment earlier, there really is not a playbook on how you be a successful sales consultant and, and sell wine and spirits the right way. And it's, it's such a massive um business and undertaking, you know, when, and as somebody that has been a salesperson, you have so many SKUs, so many different products, and you're out there trying to educate your customers and achieve your sales goals. So when I saw that you had created this book, I thought, wow, where was this when I was creating training material 10 years ago? Um, So tell us about that book, what inspired it and, and what's come from that. Thank you. Yeah, you know, uh, 30 years ago, uh, if that book had been written, uh, one might have assumed it would have looked like, how do I play 18 holes of golf and convince somebody to, to buy my product? Um, uh, the, uh, the level of scientific inquiry into the process of consultative sales uh, with the product like wine or beverage just really didn't exist. Um, I would actually guarantee you the best of the best have had scientific ways of approaching um, their, 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 their sales and sales goals over the years, but it really hadn't been put down in any form, way, or fashion in a, in a literature. So uh, a visiting professor from South Carolina, John Crotz at College of Charleston, and I were talking about different projects that he could take on while he was out here in, at Washington State University, which is very typical of a visiting professor. 
who is looking to um, immerse him or herself in a in a different climate area and uh, and write. Uh, and I had uh, thought a long time ago that I might be working with John on a sales book as he, as well as a professor that I had at Northern Arizona University, um, had worked on a hospitality sales book together. So the idea of coming together here on campus and writing a book that was specific to wine and uh, sales and, and distribution was natural in our partnership, but we 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 were struggling a bit, um, just like everyone does when it, when it comes to pen to paper. We we were getting some things off, but we uh, we were we we had this great framework, but we we needed the 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 reality of the situation. And what I mean that is, I, I and I mean it very very uh, very honestly, is that a lot of times professors. Are working on uh, theory or working uh, from a level that that has a, it be very difficult um, to see the, the the trees through the forest. I believe the the, the saying goes, and um, uh, so we called out to a gentleman who I had uh, uh, spoken with in the Okanagan in 2013 at the Wine Tourism Conference. And um, uh, Paul Wagner is uh, a co-author with John Kratz and myself on wine sales and distribution, the strategies of consultative sales approach. And Paul uh, represented uh, his own company, Balzac Communications, and uh, had written some real classics in uh, wine, wine marketing that had uh, been award-winning in his past. And he was up for the challenge of taking on John and I, really. And uh, frankly, um, uh, once Paul joined the team, like any good team uh, that, that starts to come together, everything just started to fall in place. And so the, the text is an introduction as well as a playbook or, or scientific uh, book on uh, how uh, a successful um, uh, strategy can be put in place when it comes to wine and beverage sales. It looks at um, uh, relationship building, it looks at execution, and then it looks at evaluation, which is really a big part of being a professional as opposed to being an amateur, is to evaluate performance, evaluate, evaluate skews, of, evaluate positioning. And um, uh, when, we, when we were able to finish the text, we were very proud of it and we uh, had our publisher release it in 2019. Uh, 2020, it was awarded best wine book in the United States of America by Gourmand International, which looks over several different types of food and wine books annually. Congratulations. And, yeah, thank you. We were, That's amazing. Congrats. We were flattered. We were very flattered by it. And um, just as flattering is when... Um, I have a owner proprietor here in Red Mountain uh, shoot me a text and say, you know, I make all my my uh, my employees read chapter eleven of your book. Mm -hmm. you know, ask for the sale, right? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, that's. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I, that's that, that's 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 so true. Asking for the sale can be very difficult for someone who hasn't done it before. And this is uh, this is just as important as my my calling is at a land grant university as much as about my community and the relative the, the text being relative here as it is as it being relative in um, Paris France. 
Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, kudos to to all of you for for creating such a book. And, and I think anybody that's listening, if you're, whether you're in wine sales or want to get into wine sales, whether you're a distributor or a supplier, I think it's such a great book to really get that full picture of, of everything that's required. I mean, I get so many people that think, oh, I can sell wine. You know, I like to drink wine and, and it is, uh, it's a very unique product. Um, they're all different. Not one is alike, right? Each bottle can be different and it's, it takes a it takes a lot, and I think you know just the focus on skew and availability and and really understanding all those complex intricacies are are so important. Yeah, it kind of goes back to you know I like to eat, so I'm going to open a restaurant, but not really knowing <laughs> a darn thing about running a restaurant. So it's really incredible that you wrote this book and really gave a a wonderful roadmap to those who strive to be in, you know, within our industry. What inspires you, Byron, from the students? Do you have any stories that you can maybe share with our listeners? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a, that's a tremendous question. Um, I, students are, um, I hold in, in, in such a, a precious place. They're, they're, they're opening up their, their um, in some cases, their most vul- vulnerable place in life, which is intellect. And um, uh, I cherish that, I, I really do. And those students who I've worked with, who have opened up their, mind, body, and, and, and spirit, really, to this idea that wine, beverage, hospitality, and the idea that there is a discipline to it, uh, that, that there, there are best practices. It's not just customer service. It's creating memories. Uh, it's not just being polite. It's, um, uh, it, it's, it's opening up your your place of business like it's your home. Um, uh, those, are, those are some of the really special, special um, uh, relationships that I have been able to garner from students, as well as the energy exchange back and forth. It's very, very um, uh, difficult in some uh, atmospheres in any business, whether it's education or sales. Um, when when you don't have participants and those students that I've had who've participated over the years just really really are um, ones that uh, that stick out in my mind um, I now am at an institution where I have PhD students uh, all the way down to first gen first university class um, and so the, the the rainbow as one might like to think of it is is big and it's colorful and um, uh, those experiences with those students are uh, neither of them are better or worse but they're all fairly different and I really appreciate that about my students and what I do as a teacher is uh, as well yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I definitely get inspired by whether they're people new into the industry, the the young ones, or, you know, people that have um, 
definitely had their experience. So it's, it's a, it's a unique place. What would you, uh, you know, with, with this episode coming out, I'm sure you'll have some of your students that will listen. What, what advice do you, do you give everybody? I mean, we're, we're definitely in a tumultuous year, couple years, right? It's, it seems uh, everlasting and, and the world is changing in front of us. You know, we're, we're dealing with this pandemic and, and, um, hospitality is changing with the hotel business. And what are your, what do you say to your students that might be a little concerned with, with what they've decided for their futures? I, uh, thank you for asking, because that's not an easy question for many students who, and or their families who've invested financially in this time with me and with our, with our program and with my colleagues who, who are just as involved um, uh, in their education because we're in a college of business. Um, uh, I, I really believe that um, technology, working with technology, understanding how, um, uh, frankly, technology and data has not necessarily been as should I say, at least in a timely fashion compared to other industries, embraced. So I still see a lot of opportunity for that um, uh, in in, um, moving into the wine and beverage space, if one can find a pathway immediately um, uh, in in that. I also uh, really um, uh, like to work with students who ask that question, on um, uh, going through and looking at culture of businesses. Um, uh, yes, there have been some businesses that have been needed to make some, uh, some change in perhaps how they have positioned their employees within an organization or how they see their employees maybe into the future of the organization. But those businesses that were good coming into this last financial impact um, will be better coming out of it. And so to look for those, um, uh, those companies um, that are, um, are, are, were good, but gonna be better coming out of it. Um, although I also recommend to students that, um, uh, you know, in, in the industry as I see it, it's a two year self-reflection, generally speaking until 10 years working with a company. So um, if I'm um, working with a student and they've been with a company for two years, um, I'd like for them to answer the question to me if I were to be with them, which I'm not, but if they'd like to give me a call or shoot me an email, which I recommend all students, I give them a card at the end of their graduation with my lifetime guarantee on it that says, you know, give me a call or shoot me an email. And I, uh, I say, hey, have you asked for more responsibility? Are they giving you more responsibility? Um, uh, if not, you need to ask, kind of going back to chapter 11, make the ask, be entrepreneurial about your career. Uh, if, that's, if that's not happening, um, uh, it's always easier to find a job when you have a job. Um, and, uh, and you've got another two-year window that you're, that you're really looking at. Um, and I, I say, you know, that's, that, that's really where you're going to get that 20% pay bump too, is you're going to have to be entrepreneurial about your career. A business is pretty big and a lot of times focused on tactical objectives, not strategic. 
And when it comes to thinking about how an employee, especially early in their career, is uh, having success, it can be tough to be able to evaluate and also demonstrate to that employee that they're valued. So you need to ask, and I and most of the times that will be able to reinforce your worth within that organization. And not everyone is going to fit within the organization that they start with or that they have their second job or third job career with rather than jobs. Um, so to not be afraid of that as a graduate into this economy. I also really believe that beverage and uh, wine and beverage is, is positioned well. I believe that there's no doubt that we will con continue to see um, consumers um, uh, that will purchase through a financial um, uh, impact like the one that we've been dealing with. The, um, the idea that uh, business or, or a uh, uh, hospitality product is not open to or recession proof uh, has been tested. I mean, wine and alcohol even to the degree non-alcoholic beverage has really been tested through this um, last economic impact. And it's shown itself to really do fairly well. Of course, it's tough for many of my students because we're a school of hospitality business management and their vision is hospitality oriented. So working within a hotel, but being beverage specific, that's gonna be a very difficult career path right now for them. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, or working within a larger restaurant group that's looking at trying to have beverage management um, as, as a part of a process, um, uh, menu engineering, things along those lines. That's going to be very difficult right now. But if you're looking more into uh, distribution networking, uh, I would say that you're, there's a lot of opportunity still for those students. Yeah, I love that advice. I think it's it's right on point, right? I mean, just really getting behind and building your skills and technology and, and innovation. This is an industry that's been around a long time, but it's always progressing. And, and we know as a company that's really been rolling out our digital platform and our digital transformation over the last couple of years, we're ahead within the industry, but we're really behind overall, right? I mean, within other industries. So there's definitely an opportunity and we're always looking for talent when it comes to, um, you know, the technology savviness, analytics, uh, business intelligence, commercial strategy, as well as supply chain. That is huge learning supply chain. And I think although that education that is provided is around hospitality, as you mentioned, and, and they imagine going into a hotel beverage management or restaurant beverage management does not mean that that's not going to exist, but there's a world of opportunity outside of that within what they're getting from school, right? And um, absolutely. It's, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's really hard to work with students on the supplier side of the, of the ecosystem. They just don't grow up going to the restaurant and seeing someone who's coming in from the back 
making sure that everything's all right so that the front is taken care of. It's just, it's just, it's not something that people generally think about, but the idea if the back is not being supplied and an inventory is not available, or if there's not someone that's consulting on that wine list or someone that's working with a hotel corporation, what about the airline industry? I mean, some people don't realize that for some wineries, the airline industry is 100% of their supply. And people don't realize when they get onto an airline, how big and important those particular businesses are to some wineries. And uh, I mean, it, it's just, it's just a big, big, big world out there. And it's not just going to the supermarket and picking up a bottle of wine or a fifth or a liter or whatever it is, might be your, might be your speed. There's a way more to it than that. And, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. That's what we're forward facing as consumers seeking is the supermarket. We're going to buy wine, beer, spirits there, but it's much bigger than that. It sure is. What do you think about when we look um, into the future, like five years from now, right? And as Julie said, so eloquently, you know, we're, we've, still living through a pandemic and we've had to shift. We definitely had to be very scrappy, a word I'd love to use to describe our beverage world. Um, where do you, what do you see education? You know, where do we see it headed in the future? You know, let's look down the path a little bit because we certainly have had to shift and to make a lot of changes over the past, what, uh, almost a year. Mm-hmm. And so what do you really see kind of staying, going, or maybe even um, something new that would be available in the future? Thank you. I would suggest that what we will see staying is certification or a very specific group of courses, which will lead to an outcome. Those specific courses will be offered at the university level like they have never been before where a professional or someone looking to have a very micro experience, but yet still want to show a level of competence, will be able to get that from a university. So we work with the um, uh, Wine Business Management Certificate here, six modules over a year, online only with two residential components. Those students that we've had over the last four years have been able to buy the $5,000 insurance policy that they never would be able to get from their banker. And that that $5,000 insurance policy answers questions for mid-career that are thinking about moving into the wine industry, late career that are looking at investing in a piece of land, or early career just trying to figure out what is the wine industry all about but not invest the four years of undergraduate education, which I firmly believe in is very important for uh, individuals as well. But as we're moving into a new place of the, um, uh, of the offerings, I think those will be more prominent in uh, the university setting and just the, the uh, beverage uh, uh, business, wine and beverage business as well. It's not un familiar in the wine world with uh, Sommelier's Guild, Wine Spirits Education Trust already offering something. But what we can do at the university level is we can bring in these ideas that have been brought up, supply chain. We can bring in the ideas of of legalize and how it works with distribution in different states. We can bring in the idea of how do we uh, effectively write and then execute a small business plan. 
Um, all of those things can be done in a year's time. And then I think that we'll even see some that are even more condensed um, uh, uh, asynchronous. So log onto your computer whenever you want and you can get eight hours of information on how you are going to be able to be effective in bartending, service skills, working within a winery, which, um, you know, wine tenders, by the way, there's no real official nerve, uh, name of a, of someone that works at a winery. It's kind of like, oh, they, I don't know what to call them um, um, yet. Um, uh, and, and I think that we're going to, we're, we're going to also see much more uh, education at the time in which the consumer those that are, are, are purchasing the goods and services uh, will see value in being able to do that on their own time. Um, we've opened up this, 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 this idea of uh, working remotely, also educating remotely and being able to be educated remotely. And um, I think that, that we'll see a, a paradigm shift in people seeing value in that um, uh, much different than they may have seen value in that pre-pandemic. Yeah, that's that's so great to hear. And I, I love to hear how higher education, and you know, we had a previous episode with, um, with Dean Michael Chang from FIU School of Hospitality, who I know you had a connection with in the past. And, no and you cyclones, guys know each other. yeah, uh, both PhDs <laughs> from Iowa State. Yeah, that's, it's, and again, a, a small world, but you know, and just hearing his thoughts of education changing and a lot of what you're saying, you know, on demand, uh, meeting the need of the student and not making it so difficult. And, and even there's talk where, where they're looking into possibly giving uh, business years of experience and being able to transfer that into <coughs> educational credits, right? So it's it's kind of backwards um, where you might have the business experience, but you don't have the formal education. So you want to go back, but then those years of experience actually help you. I thought I yeah, could never I imagine part of that. Actually, we we at my last university, Southern Oregon University, we had a Bachelor of Applied Science, which was uh, would take up to. I think it was, we would take up to 10,000 working hours, um, kind of like tipping point and, 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 and expertise. And we could apply it up to 60 university credits. Wow. And I think that we'll see more of that as well. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. That's great. Well, Byron, what else do you want to share with us? I know that you guys do a lot of work with St. Michelle Wine Estates as they're, you know, your, your neighbors back in Washington. So what's new there? What's going on? Uh, St. Michelle Wine Estates is uh, a, a very big partner of Washington State University. W our land grant mission has had agricultural roots in Eastern Washington since the late 19th century. And although the wine industry in the state of Washington didn't really get its legs until the 1950s and 60s, and was actually started by a group of University of Washington professors, uh, Associated Vintners, St. Michelle um, uh, in its infancy was really a big partner of uh, the agricultural industry here in Eastern Washington, which is where Washington State University's main campus is, is held, <coughs> excuse me, and St. Michelle, um, uh, as well as other Washington wineries, um, have recognized the need for education in the uh, wine space. 
And uh, five years ago, we dedicated the St. Michelle Wine Science Center here at Washington State University, Tri-Cities. That um, particular building um, really took the ability for us to take on projects like smoke taint um, as we are fighting fires here in the West. Um, um, uh, a lot of hydrology because we are one of the driest growing regions in the United States of America um, and give the ability to our uh, researchers to be able to explore um, uh, without having to try to necessarily replicate studies that were happening in other wine regions across the United States of America, which are great wine regions and great institutions, but we're different. We're, we're different in, in, in uh, a lot of different ways. Uh, and St. Michelle really understood that and wanted to be able to support the university to support the Washington wine industry. So they, they led in, in that um, five years ago. And um, most recently, I would uh, suggest that um, uh, St. Michelle, as well as the Washington wine industry, is um, uh, really in um, uh, a, a position to move into the 21st century more in understanding wine business. This is so important to them. And they realize that and we're starting to get some traction on some studies that we can uh, be able to work with partners like St. Michelle on, whether that's consumer behavior studies, um, uh, understanding some more about supply chain and its in intricacies um, uh, when it comes to um, growing grapes in, in the desert of Eastern Washington, yet consumers in Miami, Florida are, are looking for that um, uh, that Chateau Saint Michel Riesling, um, uh, or that uh, that fourteen hands hot to trot, um, uh, or some of the higher end products that 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 we have like Quiselda Creek, um, uh, that are out in the market at any given time, or Bionic Frog, um, some really some really cool products that Washington is producing. Saint Michel also goes into the Northwest. They cover Oregon with Erath Pinot and. Um, uh, down to Stag's Leap with Napa Valley. So they're, they're, they're not just positioned um, here in, in Washington when it comes to their um, portfolio. Right. And they have the partnership with Antonori. Um, yes. So they, they go into the Italian side. But I could tell you one of my first wine country visits um, was in Walla Walla. And, um, you know, one of the places that we went to was North Star. And that Merlot is one of the best Merlots. And, and you'll talk to all the, the wine experts in the world. I mean, Mer, uh, in Washington, you know, it's probably one of the best places in the world to grow Merlot. And, and I've heard it compared to Pomerol, right? So, mm -hmm. and, and it's um, wonderful to see how the wine culture and, and the wine production out of Washington is just, you know, developed over these last years. And, and I can see it, you know, really, um, I think it is already on the world map, but, but even further and the value of some of these amazing Cabernets that you could get out of Washington is just incredible. Well, thank you, Julie. I know that a lot of the, um, uh, uh individuals responsible for that, um, uh, have a lot of pressure right now, um, with the pandemic and, um, uh, trying to still really bring a, a quality product to the marketplace, um, uh, can be, can be quite 
uh, uh, difficult with supply chain disruption, especially in the on-premise. And um, so we're looking for some real creative ways as an industry to try to uh, continue to make our mark in the region uh, and, the, and the world. And uh, they'll, they'll love to hear that from you. So I, I appreciate you sharing that positive review. Yep, of course. Well, Byron, Julie, and I, we want to thank you so much for being on Served Up and for sharing your passion for our industry, for hospitality, and really to let letting our listeners know what is possible during this time. You know, that, hey, it's okay to go back to school, right? There yeah. is so much that um, that's out there that I think that a lot of our listeners are not aware of. And especially during these times, it's a beautiful thing to turn to education to, to get us through to our next step. So I want to thank you for that. I know. Yeah, absolutely. And I know Julie and I want to wish you, you know, just to be safe, to be healthy and wishing you all kinds of peace. We really appreciate you taking some time with us. Well, you, I, um, I really, really have enjoyed uh, my time with you guys. It feels um, uh, very, very uh, natural. I think you guys are on the right path with um, uh, trying to be able to um, uh, work with this industry in developing a consistent communication tool where people, especially those people who might not necessarily see the beverage or, or, or wine industry as one with a sophisticated side to it. And boy, if you listen to Served Up, you're going to know right off the bat that you're, you're dealing with a lot of sophisticated owners, businessmen and women, um, uh, artists. Uh, again, I, I, I can't, uh, can't say enough about how I'm, I'm really appreciative of what you guys do as well. So thank you. Thank you, Byron. That was that was really kind of you to share that. And I, I think that ultimately is our goal. Um, we we definitely like to have very open dialogue and, and talk about all kinds of stuff. And uh, that that is really important. But one thing I do want to end with is, you know, one of the things you said when you reached out to us, and I'm really glad you did so that we could have this recording is, hey, I tell my students all the time, ask for the sale, right? And get out there and, and ask. And, and if you tell them to do it and you don't do it yourself, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really do anything. So we appreciate that you reached out. And for all of um, your students listening, um, you know, that, that is what you do and, and we appreciate it. And for all of those that have not read the book, get online and buy Wine Sales and Distribution, The Secrets to Building a Consultative Selling Approach. And for anybody that's looking for a career, go to jobs.southernglazers.com because we are always hiring all across the country. Thank you both. Thank you. Cheers. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers.